Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is uh, freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free. Freetalklive.com. Going right into your phone calls. And then coming up, I still have to get to that story I mentioned about the the police mistaking a 12-year-old girl for a prostitute. Uh, We'll get to that. But first, we go to Tony in California. Tony, you're on Free Talk Live. How are you guys doing? Tony, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, I wanted to talk about the law of attraction because uh, I've, I've listened to the podcast. It sounds like it's turning into free talk, law of attraction. Well, actually, uh, uh, you called tonight, Tony, and somebody else called last night about it right at the top of the show. So it's actually you that have turned it into free talk. So law I'm of the attraction. one causing this. So this is the law of attraction. I'm attracting uh, people talking about the law of attraction, and it's fine. I, I you know, I actually uh, believe in it, but I do have a couple of thoughts on it. Okay. Um. I just kind of think that it's a theory. I don't see how that it could be proved. And I heard you talking about it, one of you talking about it uh, from an atheist point of view. Does that make sense? I don't see how you can prove the law of attraction. You know, I mean, it's really hard to prove it. No, I, do I don't think it, it has been proven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is the Christian conservatives out there, I actually heard a talk show on this, and they talk about the secret being like the work of the devil or something. Oh, I bet they do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, exa- well it ha- because it has to do with this kind of metaphysical stuff, you know, like uh, Ouija boards and, and all that kind of stuff. Don't let say. your children fall into the Satan's trap of the New Age religion. <laughs> yeah, I know. Your yeah. house will be possessed by demons. Well, it's totally believable they would come from that perspective. I mean, think about how threatening, essentially, the uh, the pantheistic viewpoint is. I mean, law of attraction is, re- I think, d- directly related. Related to the pantheistic view, the idea that everybody is essentially God, uh, whereas the Christian view that is so upset by that basically says that well you're underneath God and that God sets out this these uh, these rules for you and you either follow them or you don't and if you don't you burn in hell uh, and if you do you get to go to a nice heavenly place. Um, so they don't like the idea that someone would suggest that essentially that there is no God outside of yourself and that you are part of uh, all that is you are part of the universe and so therefore you are literally uh, you literally are part of God, so that's very threatening to their particular monotheistic, paternalistic viewpoint. Although it's not too far from what Jesus said when he said that we're all sons of God. This I mean, is true. You pieces could, of God, sons of God. Don't these sound similar? You can find a, a lot of things in the you know, in the Bible that kind of effectively tie in with the pantheistic view, but certainly the religions that have grown up around it uh, do not. Well, their other issue with pantheism also is that. Um, uh, it's something about uh, you know animals and plants all being equal to humans, so they don't uh, you know believe that you know they believe that humans are are of a higher you know so in other words it would be kind of you know like in a, in a ranking system it would be God and then men and or man and woman and then uh, and animals and plants and all that other stuff. I don't disagree with that. I still eat the the animals and the the plants. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to experience uh, an enjoyable life, and eat, if eating plants and animals makes my life more enjoyable, that's all good as far as I'm concerned. My Sounds like uh, muddying the waters to me. Well, mm-hmm. my, my religious viewpoint doesn't come into play there, but I could see how they could sort of confuse that. I could understand where, why they would make that mistake. Right, exactly. Hey, could you guys pour me a drink before I go? Oh, can I pour you a drink? Yeah, yeah, I could probably work on something like that. Hey, thank you for hey, the bartender. call tonight. Okay. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, thanks for the Blow call. me up, baby. Oh, yeah. right. More, <laughs> more. <him> <laughs> oh, by the way, Tom Likas, uh, who is sort of known for running an explosion sound effect after somebody calls, is losing his syndication deal after a number of years. So. I think he's looking for... It's likely he'll get another one, though. Isn't that so? Well, I like the Like Us show, personally. I, mm. I used to be a listener when I was younger. Me too. I used to listen to him in L.A., and I remember him talking, and some people would ask him what his political affiliation was, and he would say, well, I'm a libertarian. Really? And people just didn't know how to take that, because they couldn't really understand where he was coming from unless you listened to him for a while. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, they, uh, he is trying to get picked back up. Uh, anyway, as, a, as an aside, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Yeah, I can imagine that the evangelicals would be pretty upset by the pantheists out there. We certainly had, I was listening to some archives recently, and we had the uh, one guy called, uh, I think it was in late December, and expressed that he thought pantheism was very dangerous, and that he, he ended his... To who? Well, I guess to his religion. Everyone's immortal soul. Right. Well, because I expected a, a chick track out about it soon. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, essentially, the viewpoint says that there is no right and wrong in the grand scheme of things. There is, based on your own morality, you get to determine for yourself what is right and wrong, and they don't like that. They don't like the idea that you would figure out, based upon your own experience... Your own set of morals, as opposed to some people are bad down, at it. I mean, the, you know, the evidence is that some people are not so good at figuring out what right and wrong is. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there's no doubt. But however, uh, it's threatening to their particular belief structure, their system, because their morals are handed down from their priests and their families. Top and bottom. To- top to right, bottom. Right. They're told, okay, well, this is how you'll behave, and if you don't, you'll be punished. And essentially, the pantheistic view says you'll you should behave in a certain way that you determine based on your own experience. Hopefully you'll make some good choices, uh, but there is no evil, hellish place waiting for you outside of that. You know, you'll make your own hell here on earth, essentially, is my understanding. Yes, I believe that heaven and hell are available to you every day. Right and now. You, can, you get to choose them. In your own mind. Yep, you get them. You, whichever one you want. So, toll-free Every number. minute. Yep. Hey, how do you feel about all this, Wayne? I mean, uh, since we have been talking about it over the last few days, I mean, the, sort of the metaphysical view on things as compared to a traditional uh, top-down monotheistic, pan- uh, uh, that kind of view that, uh, that this dichotomy we're discussing here. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I'm, it's, it's interesting to watch the way you two evolve in that sense. I've been through many journeys in my life, spiritually, in every possible way. I've lived in a lot of places. I've known a lot of people. I was a Buddhist for a while. Um, I was very interested in that philosophy because they had never gone to war with anyone. They were peaceful people, hmm. and that intrigued me. So I want to know what that was about. So I, I've, I've been through a few things where I've had to kind of put my own uh, beliefs aside and, and try something on for size to see what somebody's about because I don't think you can study something, a religion, from the point of view of your own. You really have to feel safe enough to just go into it and see what it's about and be strong enough to get out of it if it's kind of freaky or creepy. So you, you know. were in Buddhism for a while and you stepped out to go where? Well, um, somewhere in between, you know. In between what you were originally brought up as, a, well, ca- a Catholic? Or? Yes, I was, I was raised Catholic and didn't. there were things about Catholicism that were okay, obviously the morality and stuff like that, but they got a little too far overboard with it. I, I had nuns as teachers as, as a kid. Started going to public school in eighth grade, and uh, then went to a private university. But uh, I just kind of I I I don't even know what you'd call where I'm at now. I mean, I believe I believe in God. I believe in the Great Spirit, but I just I keep it to myself. You're not going to church every Sunday. 
Uh, I go to church sometimes. Do you? But I go with is my it family. Catholic? It's a Catholic church? No, no, it's, it's actually like a congregational church up where I live. And because my kids... The one that's available. Yeah, the one that's available. It's close, and we, we like the pastor because he's not Helen Brimstone. He's a really positive, nice guy, and he, he's not... If there was something he was saying that would turn me off, I would I would not go there. But uh, my wife is, is very religious, too, and, and, you know, I try to moderate the kids she on that. Is she also a Catholic? or No. Something? No, she was raised in the South, so she's uh, more on the Protestant... A Lutheran or something? Uh, bo- no, let's see. I guess somewhere in the Protestant Baptist kind of... Uh, gotcha. Uh, Southern Baptist. Yeah. So anyway, she's she's more on the religious side. I, I tend to uh, call myself more spiritual than anything. I'm not an atheist because I've had too many experiences to let me know that that's probably not the uh, the the case. But um, well, I, I wouldn't. I don't know how to describe where I'm at right now. Uh, how do you I, feel about the idea of? I mean, the obviously the evangelical Christians are going to say, well, if you don't follow our rules, you're going to you know some hellish afterlife. You feel like there is such a uh, a thing in your belief system, or is your belief system more like you move on and it's positive no matter what? You know, if I had that answer, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be here right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. All I know is that um, uh, I think, you know, wherever you go when you leave here, we don't know that. But I think it has a lot to do with who you become and what state of mind you're in when you leave here. And I've... I can't go on the air. I'm not going to start talking about experiences I've had, but I'll just say that I do believe in the law of attraction. Interesting. Toll-free numbers here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But the thing is, you just can't prove it to the skeptics. Nope. That's the most frustrating part about it. I guess it's more frustrating to them than it is to me. 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. Coming up, uh, what did the police do to a 12-year-old girl they mistook for a prostitute? It's Free Talk Live. You want to dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away, including the wiki. Over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive for free. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live brought to you by the Free State Project. It is your only chance, or your best chance, rather, for liberty in your lifetime. I suppose you could find liberty in some other way, but I've yet to see a better one, better idea than this. Well, I think that there's uh, better ways to perhaps get liberty for yourself, but to... It, like I, the to way I in freedom around others who are also to help other people to bring liberty to other people um, in some way. I think that the Free State Project is the best thing running right now. It's going to be and is hundreds and thousands of people moving to the same geographic location. Hundreds have already moved, and we're looking to get thousands moving. In fact, we're going to talk about some of the possible effects that could have a little bit later here tonight. Uh, but FreeStateProject.org is a place you want to go to learn more about it. Uh, we're moving hundreds of people to New Hampshire right now as we speak. More are en route and we want you to join them. Go and get all the details at freestateproject.org as we continue here with your phone calls. i uh, got to get to that prostitute story, but first we talk to Gavin in the UK. Gavin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hey, Gavin. Hey, uh, how are you? All right. Just super. What's right. on your mind tonight? Yeah, well, I'm just uh, following on from your um, religion uh, conversation. You've been just been having pa- pantheism or, uh, you know, the law of uh, attraction or whatever, whatever it is, you know these things that people believe in. Yes, sir. Um, I, I, I'll just give you a little story. We, in in London, 
um, we have a, a, a place called Hyde Park. And every Sunday, people meet up there, and uh, in effect, it's a free for all for free speech. It's a fantastic little spot. You know, Lovely. you can go there yep. and be the absolute fruitcake that you want to be. <laughs> and uh, when I when I lived closer to London than I do now, I used to go every other Sunday. Mm-hmm. And there was a t- there was an occasion where we had um, some uh, Christians, you know, some uh, you know uh, fundamentalist Christians. We had some uh, Jews there. And we had some Muslims, and they're all arguing their their little spot. Oh dear! You know, saying our our religion is better than than everybody else's. So typical. And yes. I, I made I made the comment about how at the end of the day, um, you know, whichever book you you follow, it's a man made thing. That book is a man made thing. And Absolutely. suddenly, I, I felt like God because all three religions suddenly turned on me. And so I felt like I was some sort of like unifying force. (laughs) You were the target. uh, That's it, yeah. And uh, so at the end of the day, uh, that that was a a, a very interesting thing. But but the other thing is, I just want to go on to something that was announced today. Um, You know, politicians uh, and politics. I'm a a politician myself, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I have a, you know, occasionally self-loathing. Um, but we we have uh, our home secretary, which I think is your secretary. Is your secretary of state your equivalent? I think that it sounds right. Yep. Um, well, she's a, a bit of a moralist. She's anti-prostitution. She's oh anti-drugs. Uh, she if she if she gets any scientific advice about uh, you know uh, declassifying or, or, or reclassifying. Uh, drugs to a, a lower classification, mm-hmm. she tends to ignore them or she upgrades cannabis, for example. Again, I mean, you probably have, uh, are aware of that. And, um, you know, today it's, it, she, it was announced that she's been uh, using her second home allowance as, the, as a member of parliament for her first home, a family home in her own constituency. She's been um, using her second home allowance for her first home, meaning that they get money from the government for two for two houses. That's right. Yeah, they they uh, because they spend a you know a chunk of their time down in London. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, they are allowed to have uh, from from taxpayers' funds um, money for their second so, home. So this, is a, so this is a scandal. She wasn't supposed to be using second home money on her first home. Well, yes, yeah, she's living with her sister in London, lodging, mm-hmm. and using the £24,000, which I, I don't know what it is now, given the uh, the exchange rate as it is. It's a nice little uh, allowance. But, uh, yeah, she's been using that for a first home, which she, you know, probably bought uh, before she was an MP. And you're suggesting that because she's such a moralist that this is quite a, a shocking bit of news for her? Or that's, that's well, what out? I'm saying is, is that... Anyone who espouses morals to, and I, 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 I haven't been listening to Free Talk Live as frequently as I would, uh, would like of late, but I find it really interesting the number of people that ring into your show and bang on about the morals, um, and they confuse morality with, with rights, you know. And, and, and I just find, I find it that these people who bang on about morals all the time often have Plenty of skeletons in their own cupboards. Absolutely. And 
frankly, they should just, you know, back off and leave, a, uh, leave us all alone. If only they would. But it seems like it's almost as though they are on this moral crusade openly so they can feel better about <clears throat> their own problems. Or maybe they hope they can pass enough laws to actually stop themselves from doing what it is that, uh, that they're yes. doing. I mean, we see it all the time, and since we're going to talk about this uh, 12-year-old that was uh, allegedly busted for prostitution, uh, we've pointed out how in many cases some of the people that crow the loudest in politics about morality and uh, and whatever the tangentially related topics are, pornography and things like that, are really the ones with the the greatest addictions or the biggest problems, whether uh, secretly or not. Well, that's that's right. I mean, I I tend to fight. This is why, once upon a time, I was a... Uh, a liberal, but a kind of statist liberal, if you mm-hmm. like. And over the last two, uh, well, no, it's more than that now, three years, four years, I've become a, a you know more of a libertarian. I'm a small government libertarian. I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. I'm an aspiring anarcho-capitalist. <laughs> I was once where you were. I can totally understand. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> um, but the reason I came to the point that I am now is because... Uh, you know, I, I not only not only because of these moralists who would argue a a moral stance, and then you'd find later on that they were some sort of deviant in one way or another. You know, contrary to their own moral standing, mm-hmm. not 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 necessarily mine. Um, right. But but also these health freak health freak freaks. You know, where where they where they're going like um, you know, just again just recently, just this last day or so, um, you know. For years, we've been told we're only allowed to have three eggs a week because there's too many, too much cholesterol yeah. in these eggs. Wow. <laughs> and just this last day or so, it's it's like, oh, you can eat as many eggs as you like as long as you don't fry them in fat. And wine, you know, you uh, you drink, uh, you not you can't drink too much wine. And then they say the next day, yeah. You can drink wine because it's good for you. Yeah. How in about moderation. instead of we? How about instead of looking to the so-called experts and the so-called authorities, we look inside ourselves and see what feels best and what is uh, right for us. If it's eating a bunch of eggs, then great. If it's not eating eggs, then great. I totally am with you. Thank you for the call tonight. It's so uh, crazy. If you look at the news, one week it's this, the next year it's that, and they're they're never straight on. Well, is meat good for you? Meat's bad for you? You never know. I say just go with whatever you feel is best for you. Seems to work good for It works pretty well for me. Plenty of time to gather empirical data for yourself. Can we yeah. hold him over? Hey, no, we can't hold him over. He's gone. 800-259-9231. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. 
com. We give away the features. They include the updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative. PrivacyHarbor.com. You can go over there and get a free account today at PrivacyHarbor.com because normal email is not secure. 800-259-9231. We continue here with your phone calls. We'll talk to Dennis in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, Dennis. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? (laughs) Wow. Wow is right, Dennis. Pardon? I said wow is right. What a day. Storming the castle. Wow. (laughs) So... I, I, I'm just tuning in, so I don't know if you guys have talked about what happened up here in the state uh, capital. No, yesterday. we were waiting for you, Dennis. <laughs> oh my God! So the, uh, the so okay. Take so a Dennis, Dennis let me Dennis, let me tell let me let me give a picture of what it was like uh, when I arrived at the state house today. So I uh, showed up at the New Hampshire State House with its big, beautiful gold dome. Finally found a parking space. It was very difficult. Couldn't understand why. Uh-huh. Um, showed up, and there were some homeschoolers milling around out front. You could see the, the mothers and fathers with their you know little kids. And I walked in the front door, and there was a line. I didn't really understand why, what the line was for. It turns out once I got in line that the line wasn't really moving because there were so many homeschoolers, they filled the giant room that normally holds the 400 legislators, plus has a A big balcony balcony there that was full. That room was full. It was full to the point of overflowing that it came down the hallway, wrapped wrapped around the stairs, and then came went through the the main level's hallway into the main lobby where the you know the battle flags from uh, 50 or 100 civil war regiments are uh, there in, in cases along the wall and uh, there were just so many of them the the uh, the estimates were between 500 800 i wouldn't doubt a thousand and this little bit of tyrannical legislation that they were trying to slide in that was just a, a ruse from the national association of educators or what whatever, they whatever. To do? it withered under the rosy cheek stare of 1,000 homeschoolers bedecked in their their little neat clothes in descending order behind mom and dad. It was amazing Amazing. what turned out today. Free staters did not stop this tyrannical legislation. Oh, essentially what the legislation was is... Wait, you you tell me there was no free staters there? Come on. The free staters did not stop this. Homeschoolers stopped this. They stopped it dead in its tracks. There were free staters there that that, that passed out some flyers um, to get people to come to the the Liberty Forum, and they were certainly there, but believe me, they paled in comparison to the Homeschooling Association. Believe me. That's awesome. Something to look to for uh, Absolutely. In- inspiration. If if the 650 movers for the Free State Project had shown up um, and at the seatbelt legislation that I went to a couple of weeks ago, it would have, I mean, the, the politicians would have stuck their tails beneath their legs and they would have whimpered and gone under the table like they did today. But this the seatbelt thing passed, was right? stopped, and it was stopped politely by little well-dressed children. So, but the seatbelt thing you're pointing out that actually went through. It passed eleven to six, but it didn't go through the whole pass. vote yet. It's going to the the full vote, the full vote in the House, and then it's going to go through a committee in the Senate, and then it'll go to a full vote in the Senate, and then it would go it would go on. It was stopped at the very last moment last time at in, in the, the Senate, Senate itself. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to bring. I think this is probably Dennis back here. Is this Dennis? Hello, Dennis? amp line. Maybe it's not Dennis. Who's this? You're it's on Dennis. the air. Hello. Hey there. 
So your thoughts on all this, Dennis? Yeah, well, I echo a lot of what Mark said. I mean, if, if the – now, one thing I would – yeah, on the seatbelt thing, if your dog, free staters, had showed up on the seatbelt thing, we wouldn't be having any issue now. We wouldn't have to fight it again. My hope is that it dies in the House of Representatives – um, if it passes the House of Representatives, we're going to need 600 free staters to tell the Senate that we consider seatbelts to be unacceptable the same way that these guys did, not by uh, telling them that we're so pissed off we're going to explode or that, you know, wearing chains and stuff, which makes for nice theater but doesn't really do anything, but just by numbers, because we have the numbers to do this stuff if we so choose to. But uh, Mark was wrong. Um, I'm always wrong. I'm saying there was no free staters there. No, no, I, was, I did not say that there were no free staters. staters in that crowd. There were plenty of a free staters. Of I'm just saying that the free staters, you know, the the free free state contingent is not what stopped this. The homeschooling contingent well, is. One thing that uh, that I'm noticing is there were more homeschoolers there this time than there were last time, and a lot of uh, there was a number of us actually talking to the homeschoolers saying, hey, here's the Liberty Alliance. You might like this. You might like this Liberty Alliance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are real happy about that. They're, they're basically our kind of people. They want to be left alone to manage their lives. And I talked to a number of them said, you know, if you want to not have to go through this crap every two years, you need some of our people sitting on that committee. And several of them told me, oh, yeah, I know, I'm running. Two Excellent. years from now, I'm running. So okay. a lot of these people have got motivated enough and are just because they're, they're homeschoolers, they somehow have enough flexibility in their time that they can do this. Yeah, I mean, the, the homeschoolers have... His, enough, they want to. Right, the homeschoolers have kind of, from my observing, my short time observing here in New Hampshire, have always been some of the most active people to defend their particular brand of freedom. Obviously, they're not coming out to talk to defend a seatbelt sure. or, or marijuana or anything like that or to, to go against the seatbelt law or to go in favor of decrim, but they're really good on their one issue. So what is it, uh, Dennis, that you think that the other activist movements here, the other liberty uh, subsets in New Hampshire can take away from this? What, what is it that the homeschoolers are doing right that everybody else isn't? Why is it that only... 50 free staters or whatever, 50 liberty people showed up for the uh, the seatbelt thing and 500 or more, or 1,000 or whatever, showed up for this homeschooling thing. Why is such the big discrepancy? What do you think can, can change? Is it just that there aren't enough people? Is it that, you know, over 650 free staters, they're spread across the state, many of them are so working are the during the daytime? And so, so did they. Yeah. So what, what it is, I think, is the homeschoolers have seen it work before, they know it, and it hits them so immediately. Um they know that on the one or two days that they need to show up in force, that they, if they do, it'll come out the way that it needs to for them, and then they can go about their lives. I think a lot of the free staters, yeah, sure, there's 600, but there's not enough of them that really get, hey, look, there are two or three times when, say, the Liberty Alliance is going to raise the alarm and say, this is the day. Yep. You take off work if you have to. You show up on this day. 
And it's um, it's true, Dennis. You know, if and you make the top problems go away, right, Dennis? If you wouldn't have called me on the seatbelt uh, day before the seatbelt or something like that, I probably wouldn't have shown up for that myself. And I, you know, so some of the scolding goes for me because I likely wouldn't have shown up if it wasn't for you particularly calling me because I didn't respond to the emails. But the fact is that the 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 seatbelt bill is this sort of last little flicker of light of liberty that we're able to hold up here in New Hampshire. Say, look, we're still the freest state because we've got the seatbelt thing and you've of course got open carry and a couple of other things but the seatbelt is the most prominent of those and if we let that little flame die i mean whether or not you consider yourself political or not political sitting at home on the day that the seatbelt legislation um you know happens does not help Here's, it hinders the free state project well, another, entirely another aspect of this is the liberty alliance is not going to raise the big alarm and say my god take a day off work if you have to until it really is that day. That's and what I was going to say they because you understand that they can't ask people to do that. Right. That's that's really what I was going to jump in so, here because so they'll, they'll wait until it's. Yeah, I didn't feel like that was that day because I never got any sort of notice like that. I was not aware really of the seatbelt thing until it was the day of. And so I had not gotten the alert, so to speak. And I think that may be something to to speak to what we're talking about here is to, you know, the free staters, many of them are interested in getting active on a lot of things, whereas the homeschoolers, they only come out for the homeschool thing. And if you've got a job and you've got something that you need to do, then you obviously can't be out at the state house five days a week. The seatbelt thing is this last little flicker. But it wasn't uh, one of the major alerts. Dennis did not send anything out on that. Hang on. More with Dennis here. 800-259-9231. It didn't seem to be important because they weren't making it seem that way. I didn't get that message. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. If you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. It's 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board. So get on over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get access to perks like the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. We're on with Dennis Goddard. He is a member of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance at nhliberty.org. It's a website and a group that's dedicated to bringing about more freedom in New Hampshire through the political system system and as one of the skeptics of the uh, the political system i have to say that dennis you've proven me wrong a number of times uh you've you've shown that there is something to be said for political action in new hampshire and if anything today's uh, events at the state house prove that even more so with uh, something like a thousand people coming out to testify uh, or to stand against this homeschooling legislation they were looking at passing uh which you now believe is going to essentially go down in flames as a result of it uh, so an, an amazing success story and one that I think should be emulated if possible. Obviously, it's easy to get all the homeschoolers to come out if it's just a one-day thing. Certainly, the free staters and the other liberty activists in New Hampshire have a much wider interest in general in in all areas of liberty. And so, therefore, getting them to come out in such force on a regular basis at this point, but just don't have the numbers for it. Isn't that right? Well, I, I think on everything, right, we don't have the numbers. On the two or three... Maybe four days out of the year. I think most people can take four days out of their life. If they, if they took the time and trouble to pick up their life and move to a different state, 
they could take four sick days or, or something along those lines. And that, I think, is where the Liberty Alliance can come in um, and really say, look, this is the day where it really makes sense. Um, now, you did not do that, that, right? That that was not done with the seatbelt legislation. That's right, because if we're only going to – if we only have, like, four bullets to fire, as it were, we've got to be real judicious with it. Um, one of the things that I've learned doing this is one of my little maxims is you pass legislation in the House and you kill it in the Senate. So if there's something that may happen and may not happen, you expend the energy to get it through the House of Representatives. Why? Because if it doesn't get past the House, it's not going to get to the Senate. Whereas if there's something horrible and evil that must die, you end up playing a little bit of a game of chicken and say, okay, the hardcore activists, they're going to try and stop it in the House. If it gets passed, the one shot that we've got is the Senate because that's where it can be killed. Mm-hmm. So that, that's likely where it's going to happen this time, like it did last time with, uh, with the seatbelt thing. We also killed it in the Senate last time. So if it but doesn't make it through the House, I mean, it, it could still fail at the House if a, if a bunch of people get on the phones and call, the, you know, call their so-called representatives and let them know how they feel about it. They could fail at the House. But if it goes on to the Senate, that's when the emergency fire, uh, you know, fire alert uh, email will go out. And then we can expect probably far more than 50 people at the, that seatbelt hearing. I should hope so. And, of course, in the, in the House, there will be a, what they call a floor fight, where all the representatives basically try and say something that will convince the ones that are in the middle to vote one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time, one of the very effective people to do that was uh, a fellow named uh, Representative Winters, the first early-moving porcupine free stater. Now there's more free staters that are going to join him. Uh, in you know, in saying the things that he needs to say, so our chances improve every time we do this. <laughs> I got a little story about about today. The chair of this education committee, who is a horrible, evil, statist lady with very few redeeming qualities. Um, so the the political director of the NHLA was the first pro freedom person to speak in opposition to the legislation. Mm-hmm. Before that, there was the bill sponsor and the bureaucrat of this, that, or the other thing. Mm. So so uh, Dan Itzik gets into talk, and his first couple of words are, you know, it's great to see the government here today, <laughs> all of the sovereign individuals who can live their lives as they wish are here today, right? And there's some spontaneous applause, and people start clapping. Mm-hmm. And this this lady, this this really just pruny lady, she starts banging her gavel and saying, that will stop, that will stop, or I'll end this meeting right now and have you all <laughs> removed from the room. And then we'll do it behind closed doors. And, and there's like, there's there's 800 people in here. You, so what? Uh, it was, what flashed your mind at that moment? At that moment, I thought, okay, I'm going to start clapping. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to start clapping. Because if this moron removes these people from the room... They are going to ensure she does not come back here in two years' time. She is going to be so unelected, it's ridiculous. Certainly the sponsor of this legislation is going to have a very hard time getting back into the House of Representatives. Yes. Um, There are so many hundreds of people now who are like, this woman personally offended me. I need to make sure she does not get reelected. 
She did, you know, uh, if you were watching her speak, she was the first one who spoke, and she was giving her reasons. First of all, she she said she she received phone calls from several, in fact, many homeschool families, and she appreciated how kind they were on the phone with her. They didn't they did they weren't uh, mean to her, and she learned a lot about homeschooling. And when she was questioned about, well, how may, what what is this based on? Do you have data to show why this this law is 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 justified? She basically admitted it was anecdotal evidence that that she was basing this on, and her body language showed that she was very very uncomfortable with all the people there. That she was. She was very uncomfortable. Then she was kind of uh, off to the side later, and I was watching her fidget and pace and. Um, I don't think she'll in- introduce anything like this again for a long time, if she's elected <laughs> next time. And another side effect of this, aside from all the great coalition building that happens, the homeschoolers that come out, that we kind of plug them into the Liberty Alliance. We plug them in wherever we can. We mm-hmm. try to get them to come to the Liberty Forum. We, you know, we, we try to rub our libertarian off on them and, and hope that it sticks. Um, but the other thing is the politicians. I mean, the politicians that were generally, they liked us anyways. You know, the ones that they, they know that they got good grades from the Liberty Alliance, and so, you know, they're happy to vote our way because it gives them a better grade, and they know that we're good people. They're not opposed to us. It, the, the, the political calculus shoots in our direction tremendously. Yeah, if they, know you're, they, go, yeah, if they know you're popular, they want to get with you to stay in office. There's, there's one lady, she had been a representative. I didn't know that she was a senator now. But she kind of comes up. She goes, "Oh my God, this is so wonderful!" Because she's she's on our side with this with mm-hmm. this stuff. This is so wonderful. Thank you, thank you, people for coming out. She's just she's she's got tears of joy. She's so happy. Um, so you can bet if there's some bill like oh I don't know a medical marijuana bill that she might otherwise feel really uncomfortable with. But we say, look, this, we're these same people. You know you love us. This is not a bad. This is not scary. <laughs> Well, that's interesting that you are you're building relationships out there, Dennis. And again, you've uh, you've had some amazing success. How can people help you out? How can they get involved? Whether they're coming to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, or they're somebody that feels like they're stuck where they are, but they really like what you're doing. How can they help out? There's a lot of ways to help out. NHLiberty.org. We'll connect you with all of them. If it's if you've got uh, a little bit of cash and very little time, money always helps. This is politics. If you've got some time and not as much cash, we can always use help reading the legislation. There's an enormous amount of it. It's it's the work of more than 100 people to read all the bills that come before us, and that makes possible our ability to know when to fire the four shots that we can get in a year out of all these people and let them know that this really is the time. This is the day to show up. Why? Because we know exactly what's going on because of all of the reading of bills that people have done. And people can go to nhliberty.org to get signed up. You've got an email list, and that'll get, you can get on it through the website, right? You got it. Okay, great. I think that I'm sure a lot of people are out there listening and very interested in all this. I mean, certainly... There are some exciting things happening here in New Hampshire, whether it's your whether your thing is to do politics or to do uh, disobedience or to do create your own liberty media. Uh, Dennis, you're involved in at least two of those three. You're doing your own television show and you're up in Concord on a regular basis doing the political thing. And I think you've been having some uh, some great success. So thanks for continually kind of keeping us up to date with what's going on up there in Concord, New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. And watch this space for some news about the uh, secession bill, as we'll call it. I, I think there's some some news will happen pretty soon. Okay, great. Thanks for the call tonight. Nice. Appreciate the discussion. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I, I listened to quite a few of the people. Most of them were against the bill, obviously, but there were a few for. Like, one woman got up and said, I'm here for the children of New Hampshire. And that is getting so old. <laughs> As though you speak for all of yes, the children yeah. of New Hampshire. So, <laughs> hey, here's one that I'm holding in my arms, and he wishes you'd shut up. <laughs> and then there was another old-timer who was actually against the bill who basically said it. He, he said, listen, we know what this is about. This is a turf war between the teachers' unions and the homeschoolers. Why don't you just leave these people alone? And there were several people who got up who were in positions of authority, even state reps who said, leave these people alone. And a lot people wanted to cheer, and then the lady would say, no, no, no applause in here. Now, if they'd only leave everybody else alone, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour two's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Hour number two is here. You can call in about anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Going right into your phone calls. Uh, We talked to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you're on the air on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. A pleasure to talk with you again. What's on your mind tonight, Jeremy? Well, I was thinking about... You know how the Pharaoh has been going after our children for a long time, and that's what we're dealing with, an extreme Pharaoh, Satan-like society. And what they want to do is have our kids, your kids, my kids, everybody's kids, I'm a kid too, uh, (laughs) brainwashed by their filth. And they know... filth? Filth, yes. What are you referring to? I mean, when you say Pharaoh, Satan, brainwashing, filth, what are you what are you getting at exactly? Well, like the Illuminatus government, we want you to learn. They want you to learn their way. They want your kids to learn their way. They don't want you to learn our way or like the natural way or the freedom-loving, gun-toting liberty way, you know, uh, or the farm, garden, planting, gun-toting, hillbilly, or whatever. Woo! Yeah. Well, so you're getting... I, I have to, I, you know, I mean, I, I understand where Jeremy's coming from. The the yeah. fact is that the, the government has taken over the schools, well, wait, and those that believe that... in big government are jamming it down. The Those of us that might want some some freedom in our lives, they're going to jam that down our throats, and they get more and more momentum, and, and really the head of the snake is the education system. Well, now, the, you're saying that this was uh, some sort of pharaoh-Satan thing. Uh, you're talking about the, the people that are in charge of the government school system, the people that support the government schools are really... Uh, agents for the devil, is that what you're saying? Because I'm sure many of them would say they go to church too and they you know, they love their uh, religion. But they also worship secret societies. I, I don't know. Of... I don't know how many teachers are worshippers of secret societies. I think they probably just worship their jobs and the uh, the people that cut them the paycheck. The state. The, the teachers' union yeah. effectively does worship the state. I don't know if they meet in uh, darkened rooms and hushed tones. I'm not sure about that. Shriners worship they take their bow at the altar of Allah, dude. Shriners? I mean, you mean the little guys with the fez, uh, fez ca- hats that drive cars. around the cars? They, they help the kids with the burns? They help bur- yeah, burn victims in their, in their free hospitals? So I don't think there's anything wrong with the Shriners, dude. Hey, 
they don't realize what they're doing, but they're part of the Masonic Society. And I tell you about up here where I live. You guys know where I live, but I'm not going to broadcast it. But uh, where I live, man, if any of these uh, so-called kid human resources come up on anybody that's trying to homeschool their kids up here, they'll probably, you know... uh, won't fare so well. They get a little bit of lead in their diet, so to speak? No, it ain't going to happen, dog. That's all. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy, for the call today. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. There was a story last week, uh, I believe Glenn Beck uh, brought it up. It was interesting because somebody called in and actually had a recording. Their daughter had gone to some talk that Al Gore had done. At, at school? Yeah, at, at some education group. And the, he was speaking to I a bunch of... college. Ten, or he's, no, he's speaking to 10-year-olds. Oh, was and, he? and he was telling the 10-year-olds basically that, well, most of your parents are pretty smart, but there's a lot of things they just don't get. In other words, you know, you need to listen to right. us. Look to government for and the answers. Look to kids. your school, your teachers, and look to us because your parents just don't get all this stuff. They're, they just don't get it, and you need to keep an open mind. Because politicians are so much more brilliant than your parents. But some of this is going on in the educational system, too, now. Some of what? Well, statism, the way they're teaching oh, about global warming and the, the glory of the state and all that stuff, that's part of the indoctrination process in the schools. And that's maybe why the kids don't know how to write or do math, because they're too busy right. indoctrinating no them. On, on this uh, homeschooling issue, I think that the uh, here, here's the fact. The fact is 20% of people graduate, and in some school, um, some public schools... It's more. Numbers, it's 50%. Uh, some, some areas, it's 40 or 50%. Um, but 20% graduate from the government school system, a nationwide, functionally illiterate. Please shut up about the homeschoolers, because maybe there's 3% or 2% or 1% of homeschoolers that you know don't do that great of a job educating their kids. And there's certainly a few that hide behind it to just pull the kids out of school and they don't educate them. There's, there's a small, very small percentage that, that may be the case with. But well, they don't educate them in, in the traditional sense. Maybe they want their girls to grow up being able to do laundry and have kids or whatever it is that they want. I mean, I, do I support that? No. 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 But... <laughs> I, mean, I don't support girls graduating from public school not being able to read either. But I, I hate to see hardworking homeschooling parents have to go through all these new hoops they've got to jump through to meet all the regulations and, and all the resources it takes at the local level to have school administrators deal with all the homeschoolers in their area, too. So it, New bureaucrats, yeah, New bureaucrats they've got to hire, new, exactly. New, they, they would like that. Bureaucrats. Oh, they would That's like what they that. want. Yeah. Th- that's exactly what the teachers unions want. They want more jobs for their people. Well, you guys have made a bunch of really great points about the issue of homeschooling versus government schools and uh, the benefits and the, the, the negatives. And you're all spot on. But when Jeremy brings in the Masons and the Shriners, then I think it goes off over into, uh, I think it goes into La La Land. I mean, while there may yeah, be... I'm not sure that the Masons or Shriners have anything to right. do with that. I mean, uh, you know, I think that the Masons, many, many, many Masons have done a great, great things for this country. The, the founding fathers yeah, were themselves Masons. I, you know, I don't think it's... I don't think it's bad. Right. I think that there may be some... I, mean, I think the Masonic order is a little weird. Like, yeah. they've got these weird little worship rooms that I've been inside. I've seen what they are, and they're very creepy. Um, but, you know, they're basically a bunch of old guys that have their little social club. Got and, a secret handshake. And within, okay. their, within their social club, are there probably some power seekers? Sure. Probably, yeah. A lot of the people in the Masons are kind of the movers and the shakers uh, in in town. 
And so, of course, you're going to encounter some of the power seekers there. It's just the nature of things. Does that mean the entire organization is uh, is bad from top to bottom? I don't think so. Does it have anything whatsoever to do with government education? I don't know about that. It seems like there's no point in going to that point. I mean, you can talk about all kinds of things, of details, of concrete, fact, uh, factual information about government schools versus private schooling versus homeschooling and freedom versus control. You can talk about all those things in very concrete explicit terms and make some real progress I think with people but as soon as you pull out the mason uh, card you're I think you, you you're kind of you're off the deep end right I think the, the, the real issue is those who seek power over others unduly that's really the issue yes my grandfather was at least a 32nd degree mason he started a, a, an appliance store how many degrees are there what color is 33 the there are 33 degrees. I believe, that, I, th- I think the highest level is 33. They're not going to assassinate mistaken. you for giving that at the information, are you? <laughs> well, if they do, you know what happened to me. You know? I'm going to put over no, no but shoe My grandfather was, very, was in it for a long time. Very, very high up in it. One of the best human beings I know. And he started an appliance store down in Massachusetts in 1937. My uncle runs it now. My uncle says that people still talk about my grandfather. So, the customers. Yes, customers. Still come in, remember my grandfather, and just tell stories about him. He was one of the best people like we, a lot of us knew. And I don't know. Is he part of some evil conspiracy? I doubt it. Seems really so unlikely. If, so if there, are, if there are power seekers in the Masons, maybe there are. Maybe you have to get to 33rd degree to get that before you go to the next compartment of the <laughs> Illuminati. Who knows? I mean, people have said this stuff. I don't know. But the, the real issue is, you know, leave people alone. Let them live their lives. And, and you live your life and keep your life cleaned up and don't worry about us. We'll take well, care of it ourselves. That is kind of the issue, and that's the main overarching issue that covers everything that I think we talk about here, almost everything that we talk about on this show. And hopefully more people over time will come to understand that. And as more activists come here to New Hampshire, I mean, obviously we're talking about this major turnout earlier today in Concord from the homeschool supporters to essentially just shoot down this new legislation. As more people come here and we start having more more activists available at any given time to come and do things like this. The turnouts will continue to increase. As a result of that, these politicians will be scared to death of continuing to bring forward, hopefully, uh, legislation like this. Maybe some of them will lose their seats. Maybe some free staters or some liberty activists here in New Hampshire will continue to get elected. We'll continue to see more growth in these areas. At the same time, we'll have some more civil disobedience going on, because I know more people are coming here that are also interested in that and other outside-the-system, non-cooperative-based methods of protest. We'll see some of that on the rise, and that hopefully will spur some more of political change. And hopefully both sides will be able to work with one another to advance us to a truly voluntary society where people really do honor their neighbor's choices and allow others to be free so they in turn can have their own freedom. It can happen, right? Yes. I think it is it happening. It seems like a plan. It's, I it's think a it's better pl- It's a better plan than any other the liberty the liberties sort of uh, organizations out there have. We well, could always go build a, a C one. platform, Mark. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not against the C platform. 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away and those features include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about free. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. 
Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. So, uh, here's a story that I promised last night we never got a chance to get to. Of course, your calls are primary. If you make them at 800-259-9231, this story from HoustonPress.com, where it was a little before 8 at night when the breaker went out at Emily Milburn's home in Galveston. She was busy preparing her children for school the next day, so she asked her 12-year-old daughter, Diamond, to pop outside and turn the switch back on. As Diamond headed toward the breaker... A blue van drove up, and three men jumped out, rushing toward her. One of them grabbed her, saying, You're a prostitute. You're coming with me. (laughs) Diamond grabbed onto a tree and started screaming, Daddy! 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 One of the men covered her mouth. Two of the men beat her about the face and throat. Mm. As it turned out, the three men were plain-clothed Galveston police officers who had been called to the area regarding three white prostitutes soliciting a white man and a black drug dealer. Plain closed. Hmm. I mean, it just looks like kidnappers, you know? Sure does. Feels Probably feels like being kidnapped as well. Well, it is being kidnapped. <laughs> yep. All this is according to a lawsuit filed in Galveston Federal Court by Milburn against the officers. The lawsuit alleges the officers thought Diamond, an African-American, was a hooker due to the tight shorts she was wearing, despite not fitting the racial description of any of the female suspects. Right, it was white hookers is what they were talking about. The police went to the wrong house two blocks away from the reported illegal activity, according to the attorney. After the incident, Diamond was hospitalized and suffered black eyes as well as throat and eardrum injuries. Mm. Three weeks later, according to the lawsuit, police went to Diamond's school where she was an honor student and arrested her for assaulting a public servant. Well, sure, that's how they cover themselves. A 12-year-old girl? But they, they've, got to cover, they've got to cover themselves. That's how they do it. They can't it's admit disgusting. they were wrong. No, absolutely not. Griffin says the allegations stem from when Diamond fought back against the three men who were trying to take her from her home. The case went to trial, but the judge declared it a mistrial on the first day. The new trial is set for this month. I think it'll be okay, says Griffin. I don't think a jury will find a 12-year-old girl guilty who's just sitting outside her house. Any 12-year-old attacked by three men and told she's a prostitute is going to scream and yell for daddy and hit back and do whatever she can. She's scared to death. I wonder what would happen if she'd have been 30. They probably would have really hurt her a lot more than they did. And she would have gotten, uh, you know, assault on a law enforcement officer. You should have known better. Those guys should go to jail. You mean the cops should? Yeah, absolutely. Since the incident more than two years ago, Diamond regularly suffers nightmares in which police officers are raping and beating her and cutting off her fingers, according to the lawsuit. Griffin says she expects to enter mediation with the officers in early 2009 in order to uh, resolve the suit. Uh, Apparently, there's an update to the story from the lawyer. Both the daughter and the father were arrested for assaulting a police officer. The father basically attacked police officers as they were trying to take the daughter into custody after she ran off. Also, the city has investigated the matter and found... Go ahead. Police officers did nothing wrong. They found that the conduct of the police officers was appropriate under the circumstances. Yes, grabbing a 12-year-old black girl when they, um, you know, for being a prostitute when they've been called for white prostitutes, adult white prostitutes. It's crazy. And it's crazy. don't forget beating her as well. They also hurt the little girl. Uh, they said it's unfortunate, or the lawyer says it's unfortunate that sometimes police officers have to use force against people who are using force against them. And the evidence she will was show holding that- onto a tree. 
Both of the evidence will show that both these folks violated the law and forcefully resisted arrest. So, it was false arrest to begin with? Yeah, you know, of course you're absolutely right about that, but will that do anything to stop this from going on in the future? Well, of course not. The, the police will close ranks, they'll defend one another as they always do, and very little will come of this, most likely. They'll be, they should just, I guess they should feel lucky their daughter is still alive. You know, the, the, I, I don't know that, um, you know, I can see why the police made the mistake of, you know, finding, you know, we're called for hookers. That looks like a hooker. Let's get her. Um, you know, like I can see. I guess that, you could say 12 year olds don't look as young as they used to. But then again, 12 is still pretty damn young. Right. But the problem is that they were called on hookers in the first place. That the pro- is the problem. You're the right. problem is, is that we shouldn't have police enforcing vice crimes at all, enforcing someone else's morality. This little girl got hurt because of these stinking prostitution laws, and these cops likely feel very bad about what they've done, even if they're defending themselves um, in in court against this. And you know, this is really a no-win situation, and it's done so based on this silly notion that you can legislate morality. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. If you'd like to chime in and uh, tell us how you feel about this. I mean, can anybody take the police side on this? It's it's awful what they have done here, even even under the paradigm that prostitution is illegal, and it shouldn't be. It should be legal, and the police should leave people alone that want to engage in consensual activities with one another. But even under the paradigm where prostitution is illegal, this is outrageous. I mean, just the whole idea that men in plain clothes can come up, grab you, and attempt to throw you into a van, and you're, if they tell you they're the police, you're just supposed to not fight back? You're just supposed to believe what it is that they say? (laughs) You know, I've, I've told this many, many times, but it bears repeating because it's so important, is in prison, the convicts would do this, too. They'd bang on the door go, hey, it's the police, 5-0. Or, you know, like, they'd pretend to be the police. Yeah. And... I'm sure that this was essentially what they would do during home invasions and mm-hmm. raids or whatever it was that they were doing. It's easy. It's an easy way to avoid to to slow somebody down for that second that it takes to 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 get the drop on them with a gun. You know, if somebody's standing behind the door with a gun and you say police and they put the gun down and you've got a gun drawn when you come through, you can point the gun at them, you win. Yeah, people just bending over and being obedient anytime anyone claims to be a police officer is a very dangerous precedent to be setting. It's a very dangerous thing. We continue with your phone calls. Let's talk to Phil, listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson, Virginia. Hello, Phil. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, tonight? great. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Um, I was listening to you all talk about this story out of uh, Houston, was it? About the cops basically coming through uh, in plain clothes and beating a 12-year-old. Saying, "Hey, you're a prostitute." Yep. Now, I, I do find that amazing and, and kind of scary, um, especially when you have overactive cops. And it's funny because I, when I li- used to live in D.C., the problem we had was underactive cops. Um, but I do think it's bad because it does cast bad light on those police officers who are, you know, trying to do their, trying to do a, a decent job of protecting the public from you know, real criminals, killers, rapists, and so forth. I agree. Uh, but I find it amazing because a lot of this is you can blame on a lot of these stupid little laws they have that completely outlaw prostitution, uh, drugs, so forth, that really are a waste of police resources. Absolutely. I mean, have, Tremendous I mean, waste. And not only that, but you know, then again, I think we also should be leaning in a lot of the traffic laws they go for. 
Well, that's all about revenue generation, and uh, this other stuff is about morality. But either way, you're right. The cops should be out there instead of uh, going after potheads and prostitutes and people that don't stop at stop signs. They should be going after real dangerous criminals. I think you're spot on, and I thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. You bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. Toll-free numbers are 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give away all the features, and so you can enjoy them on us, including live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, all free for you. Listen free at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. You can incorporate your business, create a will or living trust, even register a trademark. Empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save FTL to save $10 off your order at LegalZoom.com. Toll free, 800-259-9231. We continue here uh, with your calls, but a quick update. I continued to look into the story of Diamond Milburn, the young girl, uh, 12 years old, who was charged with assaulting police officers as they attempted to arrest her in her front yard on prostitution charges after they were called to the area to investigate uh, white prostitutes soliciting uh, black males. This young 12-year-old was a black female, but yet that didn't stop three cops from piling out of an unmarked van and claiming they were the police. As Plain they... clothes cops. Well, the cops claimed they were wearing shirts that said police on the back of them, but it, again, I don't care. She, she was looking at the front of them. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care. They, the the whole idea that people should just be obedient because some guy flashes a badge and claims to be the or police or has a T-shirt. I mean, it's yeah. one thing. If, if this is one of the reasons that you have police in uniforms. You have these these trappings with the funny hat and the little badge and all that stuff is so that people, ha- you know, it's it's easy to identify them right. and it's harder to counterfeit that. Um, you know, when you have some guy in a T-shirt with uh, combat boots and and uh, camo pants tucked into them anybody can do that i can go do that tomorrow at the army navy store anybody yep. can do that if i wanted to go out and rob somebody then well it seems like that's a pretty good uniform to use because that person would be less likely to come after me because they know that the you know the, the machinations of the state would be after them if they make them make a mistake absolutely so according to the story here they have called a second mistrial in diamond's case because again the cops charged her they came to her middle school can you imagine seeing this happen as you're in middle school, watching the police come in and arrest one of your classmates? I mean, that's just got to be mind-boggling. You know, she didn't do anything. She resisted arrest because, well, she thought she was being kidnapped by people. She was screaming out for her father while they were trying to, to drag her into this van, and they, they attacked her during all of this. They hurt her. She's a little 12-year-old girl harmed by these big uh, thug police officers, and nothing is happening to the cops. The, the, the internal investigation said that everything's fine. They were by the book, no problems whatsoever. It's this little girl that has to defend her freedom. The cops don't have to defend anything. See, well, you know, I'm not 
as far as the case goes, it's obviously crazy, but I don't know as though I blame the police officers in this one. I blame the laws that exist. They're following bad laws. They are absolutely following bad laws. But, I mean, you're asking a police officer not to follow the law. I mean, that's that's a a difficult uh, direction to go. I would ask them to stop following bad laws, yes, as they should have stopped uh, in in Nazi Germany. uh, This is, uh, yes, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, it's in a SWAT team setup. You have several police officers. Officers, what are they going to do? Conspire with each other to not obey the law? Like you know, you're just saying quit. You just quit your job. I'm just saying stop enforcing bad laws. That's mm. all. I, I, it's a bad law, absolutely a bad law. But I don't know what else could um, you know could be done. Obviously, these guys made a mistake. I don't think that they need yep. to go to prison for a mistake. In no, that but way. they should pay some restitution. But they're not going to have to pay anything. Well. Um, they're they're doing what the what the law, the town, the the state or whatever was requiring of them. So shouldn't the state have to pay restitution? Unfortunately, shouldn't the, the state, state require some real investigation? I mean, isn't investigating their crimes that how they're are they going to investigate? I mean, they're going to investigate by bringing the prostitutes in. This prostitute was hanging onto a tree and wouldn't come. You don't you don't you don't bring a prostitute in who has not performed the act of prostitution. A uh, little girl walking in front of her house wearing short shorts is not an act of prostitution. Sorry. Okay. Piling out of the van, grabbing her and throwing in a van, throwing her in a van. That's kidnapping. I don't care if you're saying it's your job. You've kidnapped somebody and they should be brought up on criminal charges as a result of that. And because then, you need to have some evidence. I mean, again, I'm not in favor of the prostitution laws, but they had nothing. You're right. And a lot of children are abducted with the same tactics. Sure they are. Well, I mean, even if, if, even if they're not claiming to be the police. They're, they're claiming to be somebody in authority. Yeah. Yep. Well, here's what happened. After eight hours of deliberation, a jury of three men and three women told the judge in the case they were hopelessly deadlocked in the charges uh, in the case against Diamond Milburn, who's now 15. Uh, somebody, was, somebody was uh, b- believing that this girl had done something wrong. Apparently, God. The judge declared a mistrial in the case, and based on discussions with jurors, the state probably will not prosecute the case again. So apparently at least some people on the jury had a tough time believing that a 12-year-old should be convicted for resisting three plainclothes cops who jumped out of a van and tried to take her. Let's go to your calls. Talk to Bill in Texas. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Great show. Hey, um, yeah, that's just amazing to me. And what does this say to parents who teach their children if if something like that happens, if somebody is trying to attack them or trying to abduct them to fight back and to protect themselves, right? I mean, Apparently, you should only fight parents? back if there. You should only fight back if the guy doesn't claim to be the cops. Exactly. Isn't this frightening? I mean, I, I, this must be really bewildering for parents to listen to. I mean, Mark, as, as somebody who you've got a young male that uh, will be an, an older male at some point in the future, but can you imagine yourself as a father of a, of a, of a daughter? And, and to, how do you teach your kids to deal with this kind of situation? What do, you, what do you say to them? How do you handle this as a parent? I don't know. Wayne, I mean, you've got some uh, youngsters that are around the 10-ish age range. What do you say to something like this? Well, we try to teach them that uh, if somebody comes up to them and you don't know them, they don't know them, that they should not go with them under any circumstances. And I have actually teach them how to make themselves heavy so they can't be carried away mm-hmm. and how to slip out of, of uh, people when they grab them and things like that. And uh, my, my, my kids are pretty um, 
spirited, you might say. So would you say that it's better to err on the side of breaking the hell away from these people, whoever they happen to be? I don't think this girl did anything be? wrong. Good. Uh, because that seems to be the right thing to do, is to just t- teach your kids that it doesn't matter if they claim to be officer-friendly. Get the hell away from them and get to safety. That person is not necessarily safe. If they end up getting charged, well, that's the price. You, you'll cross that bridge when you come to it, right? At least you're safe. Well, yeah, that, that obviously makes them a criminal then for trying to protect themselves. <laughs> that's apparently what's happening, and it's and apparently, and apparently the parents can be charged as well if they're trying to protect their children. Yep, that's absolutely the case. There are a lot more cases of children being abducted by bad people than there are in this case. So it's perfectly logical that, that if, if a child resisted, especially plainclothes officers, that they would logically and, and justifiably think that these people were trying to abduct them and take them away and do bad things to them. How sad, though, that that the entire jury did not agree on this, that the entire jury didn't just throw this case out on its ass. It's a shame. Should Any other been. thoughts, Bill? No, that'll do it. Thanks, Thanks for, for the call tonight, call. dude. Let's talk to Dave in Montana. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Howdy. What's on yeah, your I, ta- I taught my kid how to shove their thumb right in the eyeball of anybody <laughs> trying to grab them or bite their Adam's apple out or something like that. I told them to do anything they could to get away from the... Yep, but that's good advice. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, perfect example about all this prohibition stuff. The cops, anybody just listens to the cops, they could, the cops do whatever they want. They, then people, uh, like, counterfeit the cops, like Mark was talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is all about this prohibition stuff, you know, and I'm a, that's what I call California's getting ready to release 60,000 uh, prisoners. prisoners. I yeah, think I heard should, about that. Who's, yeah. who's getting the cut there? I think they should be all potheads. They right, they should be. Because this thing that they're doing to Michael Phelps and the people that was around them, I think this is ridiculous. I think if you got any kind of good blood in you, Christian blood, whatever you want to call it, anything that you... That you call good in your heart and soul, we should all be standing up and protesting what they're doing to Michael Phelps. Absolutely. In and fact, I, I know if you want to do that, the Dave. Release the, release the people arrested on marijuana. I'm with you, dude. If you want to do something about the Michael Phelps thing, I know the guys over the Marijuana Policy Project are starting up a boycott of Kellogg's. You can go to mpp.org probably learn more about that. Thanks for the call tonight. More on the way. You can bring up whatever you want. Sexting. Those teens are at it again. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and FTL will get a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. So, you know, there's this story that just keeps repeating itself. Yeah, the location changes and the names are different every time, but this is getting to the point where... We're just going to have to stop reporting on it. It's happening so often. It's it's becoming an almost an epidemic of problems. I mean, we've got a problem here where we get so many police abuse stories on this show uh, at the the email address that's out there for show prep submissions. Yeah, there are so many police abuse stories that come in 
we could spend one show per week just doing all police abuse stories. I mean, we just have so much of it. It looks like this sexting phenomenon, this arresting children for having pictures of themselves naked, this is becoming a real problem. A lot of young people are involved in this, and more and more of them are getting caught and being charged with child pornography. It's happened again. This time, the story is from WBZ in the Boston area, Falmouth specifically, where a group of boys on the Cape has been caught sexting, that is, sending naked pictures via text message. The naked picture in this case was of a 13-year-old girl. Now, six Falmouth boys, ages 12 to 14, may face child pornography charges. Authorities say a student at the Lawrence School took a nude picture of his 13-year-old girlfriend and then sent that picture to a group of his friends. School officials somehow discovered what was happening. The principal immediately called the police and confiscated the boys' cell phones. He couldn't have just had a little meeting with the parents and maybe had a chat with them and kind of moved on from there you couldn't have just done it quietly and taken care of things no you had to call in the cops this is a crime we can't have this going on around here we need, these boys need to spend hard time in the clink it's crazy child pornography charges uh, hard time in the clink and have be a sex offender for the rest of their lives right for something they did when they were 12 <laughs> I mean, as though what you and would, that nobody got hurt from right as though you the person you were when you were 12 is somehow in any way related to the person you are today please there's more to the story. Police issued a summons on January 29th with charges for possessing and distributing material of a child in a sexual act well now wait a minute that's not a what sexual was act what the sexual mm-hmm. act doesn't say that. Being I mean, naked is a sexual act, apparently. Uh, apparently it is. To these cops, that's sexuality, is nudity. And I disagree vehemently with that. Once they're in court, it will then be determined if they are formally charged. So apparently, this some sort of like a c- c- complaint, basically. It's not exactly a charge. You have to go and answer the complaint or something like that. And, they, and they did, it's very strange. I don't know how this legal system works. But Falmouth superintendent of the schools told WBZ they're taking the charges very seriously. Administrators at the and the police officer Clifford Harris visited each classroom at the school Wednesday to discuss the situation. In Massachusetts, anyone found guilty of child pornography must register as a sex offender. According to the story, uh, Officer Harris told WBZ, The law is very serious. It's pretty laid out as far as possession and dissemination of child pornography. Under 18, a child can't consent. But she did. So isn't it interesting? They say that she can't, but she did. Then how can they consent to distribute it? I mean, if they can't consent to take, the, take their clothes off, this, these were also boys under the age, they can't consent to distribute it then either. According to a national survey released in December, 20% of teens between the ages of 13 and 19 have sent or posted nude or semi-nude pictures and video of themselves. The results are based on an online survey of 653 teenagers last year. The police officer says, as a kid, I probably wouldn't have thought about the ramifications of my actions, but we live in a different day and age. Right. We, now we have to treat kids like differently adults. like adults, but like children, but like adults, but like children. This it's so weird, confusing. weird thing. Right, because they, uh, there is a, a significant sector of society that wants to believe that children 
should be children as long as possible. They right, want and to they extend. won't let them have jobs. Right, they won't <laughs> let them become mature adults on their own, on the, their own trajectory that they might, or trajectory that they may decide or choose for themselves. They may decide that at age 13, they're ready to go into some sort of job, some position where they can uh, get some working experience. But the law says no. They may decide that they're ready to try certain things that uh, adults may, uh, may be able to try, like cigarettes or alcohol. But the law says no. Now, of course, they go and they do those things anyway. So it's very, you're, you're right, Mark. I mean, on one hand, the legal system says, we want you to be childlike as long as possible. But however, if you do anything that resembles being an adult, we will charge you as though you're an adult. So you better act like a child 100%, because if you do anything like take a nude picture of yourself, smoke a cigarette, or drink a, you know, drink a little bit of beer on the weekend, you're going to be hurting for the rest of your life. And they can look at these kids, and, and even this cop with the hubris to say, oh, when I was younger, uh, we wouldn't think about these things. But now times have changed. Times are different. Kids need to be aware that every single thing they do could land, land them in a jail cell or possibly on a, child, or on a sex offender list as a child pornographer for the rest of their lives. All children should have that hanging over their head when they're alone together and deciding whether or not to take pictures of one another. Yep. I mean, I can tell you, it's, if, if a 13-year-old boy at my school managed to get a naked picture of his girlfriend, uh, they, it sure would have been passed around. Oh, yeah. So we would have thought about doing this this sort of thing, absolutely. Now, it wouldn't have been sent from one cell phone to the next because there weren't any. Right. But The printout, if there's like a printout or something like that, or an actual printout? photo, developed photo, I guess you wouldn't have printouts back <laughs> no, then either. No. Well, there was no uh, internet back then either. When I was a kid, we didn't have the internet, so the, the technology wasn't there to do a lot of these things that they do now. But at 12 years old, I'm not convinced that a kid is probably a good idea for a kid to be doing that. I'm wondering where his parents were in this whole equation. Well, I and mean, parents aren't always around. I mean, if you've got two kids that want to be together, Wayne, they're going to figure out ways to do it, whether it's male, female, or two uh, males or two females. If they decided they want to go and eat, whether it's hang out or, or experiment sexually or, or smoke marijuana or smoke a cigarette behind a tree somewhere, you know, one kid's going to get out, the other kid's going to get out, they're going to meet somewhere in the forest, and if what they're into is taking pictures of one another, then they're going to do that stuff, and there's no way that the parents can be around the entire time. You know what? My son just turned 13, and the last thing he think, wants to think about is girls. There's there's an age where they start to like girls, but there's also an age just before that where they're repulsed by them. That's so, true. So, you know, apparently though, Wayne, as long as that age is not, uh, as long as the age where they start liking girls is above 18, they'll be okay. Because if it's anything lower than that, they are risking child the, the age porn. They might be re- repulsed by girls, but they're still going to look at pictures, naked pictures of them. If they're around, yeah. Yeah, I they suppose. are. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can vaguely recall a few things like that when I was a teenager. I found my dad's uh, Playboys or something like that when I was younger. I can't tell you what age or anything like that, but I managed to find these things. And, you know, they're much tamer than the stuff that you can find on the Internet now. I mean, they girls probably should consider grooming but you know this was <laughs> it was the 70s oh you know i remember when i was a kid it was this was a decade earlier i was at barbershop with my father and my grandfather let me go to this one barbershop and i would always go into the playboy books and start mm-hmm. looking at them because i found my grandfather's playboy books and i thought they were pretty cool and i was pretty intrigued yeah. with, with uh, the female anatomy and they'd always say no put those away put those away but I was you always couldn't get a... in trouble for that. I mean, if that happened today, and they found you with some porn of some older women, you know, in their 20s, uh, and you're 12 or 13, you're looking at a Playboy, 
they're gonna you might get in trouble for that. There there may be some sort of uh, referral if you get caught at school with a Playboy in your backpack. You may get sent to the principal's office. But nobody at this point is going to call the police in, and you won't be charged with a sex offense as a result of that. So that's still okay. That's just a thing that kids do because they've always done it. And so people who are of your age, Wayne, can relate to that, I suppose. But, oh, my gosh, if you've got a picture of somebody under the age of 18, now, even though that's also what kids do today, apparently this is a huge phenomenon, this sexting phenomenon. So now what uh, what is now the norm among young people or relatively normal is now also one of the most hated crimes that someone could possibly commit. I mean, I understand that it's not real child. I think everybody kind of understands this isn't real child pornography. This 13-year-old girl was not forced into this uh, situation. It probably wasn't even a sexual situation, but if it were, she consented to it. So it's you know it's not even real like bad kinds of uh, the kind of child porn they try to tell you that is out there. Right. This, the, the, this wasn't the kind of child porn that this legislation was passed in order to prevent. That's but right. It's not stopping them from going after the again un, the law of unintended consequences. It's not. St- Stopping them from destroying the lives of countless young people. We have read at least two or three stories just like this one in the first two months of this year alone. These are happening more and more frequently now. And as more young people get cell phones and they have their girlfriends and boyfriends taking their clothes off, more of this stuff is going to happen. And I just wonder, when's it going to stop? Is it going to stop? How many people's lives need to be ruined? Is somebody spending a year in juvie really going to help them with this situation? Hour three's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231 as we launch here into hour number three of the program. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, by the way. It's 800-259-9231. We will continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want. But first, want to welcome our listeners, I guess sort of brand new listeners, on WVTS in Charleston, West Virginia. We've actually been on WVTS for quite a long time, actually, on mm-hmm. weeknights. They were taking our third hour of the show and delay broadcasting it, but now they're taking the third hour live from 9 to 10 o'clock Eastern Time on weeknights. So welcome to our new live listeners in Charleston, West Virginia. Cool. Now, how was it working before then? It was, uh, we were live, the fr- I, I, I don't they know. They were taking the third hour of the show and okay. delay broadcasting it an hour. So okay. And they so now running, they're taking it live. Now they're taking it live. So well, welcome. Only two more for them to take. That's true. But <laughs> old Michael Savage is in the way. You know, that old bastard. Crusty, crusty guy. Yeah, one day he'll have himself a heart attack and then we'll fill in the gaps. Well, I'm not hoping for a man to uh, have I'm not help. hoping for it. I'm just but telling you what, what's likely to happen. I would like to, to point out that he did hope on the air that we bomb the Middle East to glass. So, um, you know, help, uh, hoping that one old guy dies is, is certainly not as bad as uh, I didn't hoping say I that, hope that a million people I, get killed. Wait, 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 killed. wait, wait. I didn't say I hope Michael Savage has a heart attack. I just said that one day he probably will. I mean, he, he does look at his personality. Yes, he's a, definitely a type A personality. He's an angry angry man and they say that those kinds of people are just more susceptible to such things yes 
They are. There you go. So I'm just counting the days. 800-259-9231. So if you've listened to the show before in WVTS land, you know how it works. You can pick up the phone and bring up anything. We go to your calls. Talk to Ryan in Michigan. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live. How you doing, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I wanted your opinion on the octuplet. Is that correct pronunciation there? I sh- sure, sure. Uh, the mother who had uh, eight uh, artificial, I don't want to call them artificial, but artificial babies. Well, I, why were they and, artificial? Uh, you know, yeah, well, and, you know, it cost uh, several, I don't know, how much did that cost for the hospital? Probably several hundred thousand, and, and she's on food stamps. And, uh, you know, I, I just wonder if there's something in the food we're eating here that are making people do these kind of things. Or I'm confused as to, I, I guess I don't know much about the case. I've only heard a thing or two about it. She's well, taken fertility drugs, and they resulted in her having eight children. Oh, okay. So it was not a necessarily completely natural birthing. Process. I don't think that that would could ever happen in nature. Gotcha. So what was your question, Ryan? Well, I just want to know your opinion. I mean, the, the main question was it's costing several hundred thousand dollars to support some of these uh, some of the babies that are um, you know, and uh, having the uh, special care that they have, um, and also she's not working. Uh, Jeez. So there's a lot of stuff going on here that uh, just doesn't seem right, and I just wonder what your opinion is. Who's paying for it? Is I guess my question. I mean, the government is paying for all of it, which means we are the taxpayer. Yeah. Well, you probably are definitely paying for it if you're in California. I'm not sure how much the federal government is chipping in here, but you're right. There's a good chance that every single one of us is at least paying for this, and I think it's terrible. I mean, who could possibly be in support of this? We've got a welfare system that encourages people to have children that can't necessarily afford it on their own. It's a reality, whether we're talking about people just having one kid or, in this case, eight. She's just kind of the extreme end of what is an incredibly large problem in this country. Right, and I was wondering also about her psychology. Uh, I mean, she doesn't have, there's no no one else in the picture. You know, there's no man in the picture for her, so she's not married. Uh, You know, and she's going to raise all these kids on her own. I, I just don't understand what she's thinking. That's very difficult. Well, probably not thinking much. Right. I, I you know, I, I guess I, I, I do question what she's thinking. However, I don't think that's really the point. It doesn't matter what anyone's thinking if they're thinking it's okay to have 14 children and have you and I pay for it. I don't, you know, it doesn't. I don't even care what you think at that point. You're an evil person. Any other well, thoughts? That's about all I had to say tonight. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, the Ryan. Call. I can't disagree with anything you said. Yep, 800-259-9231, yet another reason to secede. I don't want to have to deal with that. I, I guess don't I shouldn't have... say that the woman's an evil person. She's done something evil. She's she's Her stupidity has uh, or ignorance has resulted in evil. How about that? Yeah. All right, so uh, just another Can reason to secede. Can you imagine uh, Bill O'Reilly retracting uh, some statement like that or or Michael Savage? Or... Wait, wait, what do you mean? Well, I, I just retracted my statement. I said that, oh, that yeah. you were an evil person. I'm about, eh, back off that a little bit. They're not can, allowed to retract things. Yeah, they, they don't do that in talk radio right. very They're much. They're trained not to. 1-800-259-9231. So, yeah, yet another reason to separate from California. Please. Divorce I, California. Yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with paying for that. Now, look, I have no problem with helping people on a voluntary basis. I think we should always throw out there in, in, in a discussion like this that liberty-minded people are not against helping others. No. I mean, didn't you both? I, I know I did. I, I think, and I think you did uh, both donate to uh, St. Jude's Hospital here That's recently. Um, I mean, you know, obviously we care about kids with cancer. So I'm all in favor of helping people, but just allow me to choose 
whom to help and on what terms to help them. And that's the thing that the government doesn't allow. It doesn't allow for choice. It doesn't allow for you to say, okay, I want to help this person, but I don't want to help this person. I don't think this person is worthy of assistance because of what their circumstances right. are, but I do think these people are, so I'll help them. And instead. I think absolutely that there are people out there that are not worthy of my assistance, depending on their circumstance. I, you know, I think that if they continue to say, make the same mistakes over and over again, that they don't need help. What they need are the consequences of their actions. Speaking of mistakes, a major mistake is going to be made at some point in this country as if things continue going in the way they, uh, the winds are blowing as they've been blowing for the last several years. The return to the draft would be a pretty big mistake. And, oh, yeah. And the federal government is considering it. They've been talking about it and, and throwing the idea around for a number of years. <clears throat> and William Norman Grigg over at LewRockwell.com has a few thoughts about it. Starts with a, a quote from the movie Shenandoah. Charlie Anderson, widowed father of six sons, deflects the demands of Lieutenant Johnson, leader of a Confederate conscription gang, near the beginning of the film. Lieutenant Johnson says, Virginia needs all of her sons, Mr. Anderson. Anderson replies, That might be so, but these are my sons. Mine. They don't belong to the state. When they were babies, I never saw the state coming around here with a spare tit. We never asked anything of the state and never expected anything. We do our own living, and thanks to no man for the right. The kind of thoughtful people, says Grigg, who seek to relieve us of the burden of planning and managing our own lives, are preparing to seize our children. And any of us who happen to be within the targeted age range, most likely between 18 and 26. With quiet persistence, the draft nappers are plotting to reinstate military slavery. As with every presidential administration since that of George Bush the Elder, Barack Obama and his comrades, particularly the leering wad of incarnate, known, or incarnate malice known as Rahm Emanuel, are famously enamored by the idea of government-mandated so-called national service. One of Obama's cherished conceits is that his reign will somehow usher in an era of national service that will both be universal and voluntary as if disagreements over the merits of government-imposed labor and the type of activity that qualifies as service would evaporate when exposed to his irresistible charisma. <laughs> One, or rather, on the strength of American grit, what it will take to survive and win in the 21st century, a new book by Republican neocon strategist Tony Blankley, it seems clear that Obama's Republican critics will actually outflank him to the left on the issue of conscription. Blankley's critique of Obama's national service proposal is not that it would be an impermissible imposition on individual rights, but that it's insufficiently militaristic and of inadequate scope, in that it's not big enough. We need a bigger draft than what Obama's proposing, according to the Republicans, or at least this Republican. The second chapter of Blankley's slender book is entitled, Bring Back the Draft. A return to military slavery is mandatory, he writes, in order to, quote... I don't think he wrote that. <laughs> a return to military slavery. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, he, he writes this, though, in order to, quote, replenish our dangerously overstretched armed forces, unquote. Rather than repudiating the interventionism that has left the military dangerously overstretched, Blankley takes the opposite view, giddily anticipating additional wars with Iran and Pakistan and an open-ended, generations-long conflict with the amorphous threat that he and others of his dishonest ilk have designated Islamofascism. Now, as Blankley acknowledges, quote, there is a limit to the number of people willing to volunteer to be a soldier, a dangerous career that's often severely disruptive of family life, and that pool has clearly been tapped out. 
we will soon be faced with the choice a choice of severely scaling back our role in the world or expanding the army through conscription. Unquote. What do you think his choice is? Well, conscription, of course. And we'll continue this discussion here. The draft is on its way back. Any side of the aisle in D.C., they both support it. So look out. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. Ian here with you tonight. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website, and they go back for an entire year completely free for you, freetalklive.com. Have you been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. All right, as we continue here, William Norman Gregg at LouRockwell.com talking about the draft winds of blowing again. This time it's Tony Blankley, who is apparently a Republican neocon strategist. He's written a short book about what it will take to survive and win in the 21st century. And an entire chapter is devoted to bringing back the draft. He acknowledges that there's a limit to the number of people willing to volunteer to be a soldier, and he believes that that pool has been tapped out, saying that we'll be faced with the choice of severely scaling back the government's role in the world or expanding the army through conscription. Greg says that one measure of the depth of Blankley's totalitarian impulses can be found in the fact that he never once considers the possibility that scaling back... <laughs> right, never even suggests, hmm, what about this scaling back thing? Never no. mind! No. Let's go! He uh, never considers the possibility that scaling back our role in the world, that is, the role assumed by the government ruling us, is the correct and moral thing to do, nor does he display any hint of considering the possibility that the thin trickle of volunteers to fight the wars that tickle his inverted libido represents something of a public referendum. If the so-called war against Islamo-fascism were really a life-and-death struggle akin to the Battle of Sal- Salamis, Recruiting an army at the point of a gun would hardly be necessary. Conscription is never necessary to inspire men to defend their homes and families, and it's never used for that purpose. It's carried out for the sole purpose of compelling men to kill and die on behalf of the state and the degenerate clique that happens to be running it. The British-born Blankley, former chief of staff to Newt Gingrich and current pundit for the Washington Times and the McLaughlin Group, has the mean of a gangster, which he cannot help. To judge from his writings, he also has the soul of a commissar. His book is a brief but tedious harangue devoted to the theme of using power of government to compel people to love and serve that same government. His chapter on the draft abounds with the language of collectivist compulsion, most of it performed in the key of communitarianism. Despite the fact that most Americans eschew military service, he insists it would be possible to forge a national consensus on behalf of reinstituting military slavery. Such a consensus would be an agreement among those heading the two major wings of the ruling establishment party rather than widespread support among the public, which itself would not make inscription legal, constitutional, or just. 
So that's what they're going to do. Uh, and we've seen, the, again, we've seen the initial phases of this already come to completion with last year's Service Nation Summit on September 11th, where both John McCain and Barack Obama were brought together in front of a you know large crowd in New York City, and they both touted the same exact platform, essentially, that is bringing this national service program about. So when it does happen... Obama and his cronies are going to propose the idea, and the Republicans are going to, you know, support it as long as it supports the military, because you got to make sure that people go into the military, because it's important to the Republicans. Right, they can do two years of civil service or one year in the military, or something like Whatever. that. Whatever, and so the Republicans will line up to support it, the Democrats will support it, of course, because, you know, it's coming from old boy Obama, and they'll both congratulate themselves and pat one another on the back and talk about how it's a mandate from the American people. Blankley's version of consensus is probably quite similar to that of the despicable Woodrow Wilson, who, as he introduced a bill to impose conscription, declared that the draft is, quote, in no sense a conscription of the unwilling, it is rather selection from a nation which has volunteered in mass. <laughs> God, where do they get this Orwellian crap? Yes. And yes. that was back in the, the early part of the 20th Before century. Before Orwell lived. <laughs> and then remember the World War I uh, war hero, Smedley Butler, General Smedley Butler, who mm-hmm. wrote, wrote the book War is a Racket. You can, you can read it online. I'd highly recommend it. You sure can. And I have a copy. We've um, read some of it on Two-time Medal of Honor winner. Go ahead and impeach his character. The specifics of Blankley's proposal are quite familiar to those who've been watching with growing disgust and alarm as proponents of conscription start to fine-tune their arguments and the oil of machinery of military servitude. He calls for a compulsory program for all Americans aged 18 or 19, men and women, after most have graduated from high school. The military, reviewing these graduates' transcripts, extracurricular activities, and medical reports would select however many they needed to fill or to fulfill their draft allotments for a two-year period of military service. Those not chosen by the military would undertake a two-year civil service obligation, which may include homeland security roles of various kinds, which is essentially what has been proposed by the Obama administration, is a civilian service uh, you know, Peace Corps, AmeriCorps kind of program that will essentially be as large as the military. And it's also the same proposal contained in legislation sponsored by Representative Chuck, uh, Chuck Rangel from New York, who oddly enough is treated with reflexive, uh, reflexive partisan scorn by Blankley. And it's also quite similar to the plan proffered in the establishment publication Foreign Policy by a retired U.S. Army colonel, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, and a naval veteran Uh, from the State University of New York, Buffalo. The program envisioned by those two, Hauser and Slater, would combine a revived military draft with a broader public service program as already is practiced in some European states. Yeah, they're going to keep on saying that. Well, the European countries do it. The European countries do it. Mm -hmm. Israel does it. Why aren't we conscripting people? Well, did you hear about the cover of Newsweek? This is the land of the free, that's why. Did you? No, it's not. Come well, on that's now. the intent. It used well, to be. Yeah, it would Pre-earth. be nice. It'd be lovely if that were the case. Uh, but did you see the cover of Newsweek this this week? Did you hear about it? No. An, an, another uh, beautiful portrait of Barack Obama? No, no, different. Uh, this time around, it was uh, two hands, one with a red sleeve, the other with a blue sleeve, ah, yes. holding hands with one as in a handshake, and it says, we're all socialists now. Speak yep. for yourself. Just right out. I mean, they're just right out in the open with it now. And I think this is a good thing. I think it's good that this is all out in the open now, that people are calling it like it is now. 
Now, it's not because of Barack Obama that we're all socialists. In fact, I did take a look at the article, and the article acknowledges that a lot of this stuff was done during George Bush's administration. And before. So, for all of the, the times that you uh, Republican uh, talk radio listeners will, will hear Rush Limbaugh and the other guys out there that are trying to be Rush Limbaugh talking about how Barack Obama's a socialist and how this is, a, yeah, oh, the country's going off towards socialism. Don't let them fool you. They were part of this. They helped start this. That's right. And it's been going on for decades, before Rush was even born, most likely. Ronald, Ronald Reagan, when he was president, he talked all the good talk, but he grew the size of government uh, 60%. at an unprecedented level. And then George Bush, uh, uh, 43 now, even topped Reagan. So uh, the story here is that those two, uh, the, the other two university types in the retired Army, Army colonel, have envisioned a domestic peace corps. Now, unlike Blankley, they would permit draftees to choose between military and non-military service, that is, to select their preferred form of servitude, at least initially. Given that providing additional military manpower is the entire point of the proposal, the domestic service option would probably last just long enough to get the measure enacted by Congress. And there's more to this story here. 800-259-9231. So as you can see, all of the proposals are how to institute national service. So the so- the uh, political sides, the teams, the red teams and the blue teams, they're just arguing over the details. It's a foregone conclusion that national service is coming to the United States. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features, by the way, include updates, the Shrine of Female listeners, the live streams. We give it all away, plus uh, brand new live streams over at the Liberty Radio Network page on the site. You can go to libertyradionetwork.com to see what that's all about and get signed up for the updates there. All right, so we continue here talking about the draft as uh, the winds continue to blow, as they have been for the last several years. But it looks like things may be moving ahead with the new Obama administration having proposed the idea for national service. Uh, It seems to be getting a warm reception, at least from the people in the realm of the political, in the realm of D.C., both sides uh, accepting the idea that everybody needs to serve the country, meaning they'll be forced for a year or two of their lives to work for the federal government, uh, even though the original idea behind government was that it was supposed to serve you. Yeah, we, huh. we, we've changed that. How'd that get turned on its head? Oh, well, anyway, so that's what they're proposing, and uh, William Grigg at LewRockwell.com is uh, throwing out some details, some important information as to what it is that exactly that they're talking about. One guy uh, says in his book that the compulsory program should mandate uh, that the military gets to review everybody's transcripts and decide who gets to go into the military. Everybody left over has to go into uh, some civilian service program. Some other proposals have to do with making it so the draftees get to choose. They get to pick whether or not they go into the military or the civilian service program. 
And Greg says, the discussing what they consider the ancillary benefits of military slavery, Hauser and Slater list what they consider a number of positive social consequences. For instance, they say that conscription will enable the forces to reflect the full spectrum of American pluralism in terms of both socioeconomic classes and racial ethnic groups. It is unacceptable that less than 1% of the country's eligible population serves in the armed forces, with almost no war-relevant sacrifice being asked from the rest of society. It ought to be axiomatic that the hardships and dangers of military service be more widely shared. This might be axiomatic to someone who's deeply imbibed the spirit of Prussian militarism, but for a commercial republic, there's nothing unacceptable about a military that's largely peripheral to public concerns, rather than being, as Hauser and Slater apparently desire, the central defining social institution. In a fashion similar to that of Hauser and Slater, Air blankly scorns Americans for neglecting the common life of losing a sense of common purpose and common destiny. Restoring the draft, he insists. This is a Republican writing those words. Oh, yeah. Restoring the draft, he insists, will bring about greater national cohesion and unity to a country that has become mm. atomized. They can really get together on killing brown people. Yep. Absent such benevolent regimentation, blankly laments, Our country will degenerate into nothing more than a giant trading bazaar where many different people happen to live together. Well, that would just be awful, wouldn't it? Jeez. Peacefully. Oh, please, spare us the ignominy of living in a peaceful country where self-regulating people engage in free, mutually beneficial commerce rather than functioning as living cogs in the state's killing apparatus. Before signing on as chief of staff to the appointed teacher of the rules of civilization, Blankley was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. It's bad form for those who craft the words that dribble down the presidential chin to take credit for their contributions, so we're not sure exactly which of Reagan's orations benefited from Blankley's wordsmithing. However, we can be confident that Blankley had nothing to do with Reagan's assessment of Jimmy Carter's decision to reactivate the selective service system in 1979. Reagan pointed out that conscription... Quote, rests on the assumption that your kids belong to the state. If we buy that assumption, then it is for the state, not for the parents, the community, the religious institutions, or teachers to decide who shall have what values and who shall do what work, when, where, and how in our society. That assumption isn't a new one. The Nazis thought it was a great idea. So, again, Reagan with a salient point and a decent quote. It's a shame he didn't actually act on the, uh, the words that he spoke. Yep. The Nazis' totalitarian siblings in the communist camp were equally enamored of the concept of universal compulsory service, including conscription. After all, that principle was inspired by the finger of Karl Marx as the eighth plank of the totalitarian decalogue, the Communist Manifesto. Like the Nazi and communist totalitarians, Mr. Blankley believes in the state ownership of the most intimate form of private property, the individual. Oh, sure. His book is littered with pure old rant radio caliber invocations of the sanctity of the free market and private enterprise. Despite the fact that he supports a national industrial policy for the supposed purpose of achieving energy independence... But he apparently cannot understand or isn't honest enough to admit that a government that can steal one's very person for the purpose of military service can also take whatever else it wants and do whatever else it wants at any time of its choosing. The operational principle in conscription, as the vile Bernard Baruch, head of the Wilson Junta's War Industries Board, pointed out in August 1918, is that, quote, Every man's life is at the call of the nation, and so must be every man's property. The state is all. The individual is of importance only as he contributes to the welfare of the state. 
His property is his only as the state does not need it. He must Sick. hold his life and possessions at the call of the state. Sick, sick, sick Nazi ramblings. That sinister principle was, but that that was somebody from this country. Yo, well, this is the birthplace yeah. of fascism. I'm sorry, you know, I mean, I know people hate to hear that crap, but it's just the truth. National Socialism started in the United States. That sinister principle was embedded, by the way, in Section 18 of the Selective Service Act. As Thomas Woods Jr. and Kevin Gutzman point out in their book, Who Killed the Constitution? That section stipulated the president could order from any manufacturer that produced goods needed by the military or the Atomic Energy Commission once the contents of the order had been approved by Congress. If a manufacturer failed to fulfill the order by the president's deadline, the president could have that manufacturer's property seized and operated for the purpose of producing the goods needed by the government. So, Mark, if the government uh, in that case came to Free Talk Live and said, you will make all of the commercials we demand that you make in order to support our war propaganda efforts, if you were to turn that down, they would seize this studio and they would go ahead and run it themselves. Nice. It probably will anyway someday. Certainly the assumption would have to provide just compensation for the stolen property, just as it pays its military slaves a token wage. But the assumption is that all property, including our individual lives, belongs to the state, and that we enjoy the use of our property and the ability to direct our own lives only by the grace of the state, even as they enlarge upon the horrors, whether real, exaggerated, or fabricated, of so-called Islamofascism in dis- distant lands, Blankley and his fellow draft nappers are diligently working to impose totalitarianism right here at home. No scimitar-wielding Mohammedan has materialized on my doorstep to demand that I surrender my children as a blood tax demanded by the state. I know what variety of greeting I would give such a personage were he to appear. The same is true for any functionary of any government who would presume to claim my children as the property of the official gang that employs him. And by the way, I'd like to point out that William Norman Grigg, who wrote that great article, is going to be one of the speakers at the upcoming 2009 Liberty Forum. So you get to meet him in person. And I hope somebody will ask him, when's he going to join the Free State Project? Mm -hmm. We continue here with your calls. Uh, Officer Liberty is on the line in Minnesota. Officer Liberty, after hearing all this discussion about the draft, as somebody who is just getting into the law enforcement world, uh, if it comes about and one of your jobs becomes going around and rounding up the kids that aren't coming to the draft uh, board meetings that are uh, attempting to dodge it, will you follow those orders? Oh, you know, I just... I don't know, because, um, you know, that just, that irks every nerve in my body that they want to do that. But on the other hand, I'm going to have a family to feed, too. So, I mean, it's it's going to depend. Maybe I can get out and get into a different profession if it comes that way. Hadn't I'm not you told doing us in this the to past? become or Gestapo. So if that comes to be, I'm probably going to have a new profession. All right, but, um, that's, that's good to hear. I, I I don't like that you're prefacing it with probably. I mean, the idea that you would uh, f- feed your family on the backs of the uh, poor children that are being stolen by the state into national service is kind of scary. At least I'm glad I'm glad to hear that you're considering it. That's the thing. I mean, because at that point, it's not it's not peacekeeping what profession is supposed to be. It's, it wouldn't be that anymore, and therefore it wouldn't be the profession that I'm trying to do. So. I can say pretty much without a doubt that I would get out and find something else to do because, you know, I've got other talents and this isn't it. So you don't um, want to be a professional kidnapper. That's good news. Hang on. We'll bring you back. I know you had a reason you were calling. More on the way with Officer Liberty and your calls as well in these remaining moments of Free Talk Live. 
Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. You enjoy this show, then you can help us out by promoting Free Talk Live at promote.freetalklive.com. A whole list of things you can do there, most of them completely free. So head over to promote.freetalklive.com. And thanks in advance for helping us get on more radio stations and bring new internet listeners on board to this show so more people can find the ideas of freedom sooner rather than later because as we were discussing during the break there is a real sense of urgency here Uh, while the state and totalitarianism is on the rise so is the message of freedom and you can help be a part of that promote.freetalklive.com as we go back to officer liberty in minnesota you're back on free talk live so what were you calling about tonight Uh, a couple things uh first i'd I'd urge everybody to just go online go to free talk live and uh amp up um i mean it's it's like a dime a day and um you know we just need to get the message out there but uh what i was calling in about is um kind of about the second amendment i was going to see uh what you guys think obviously the government it's growing and growing and growing every day uh, especially with this uh new stimulus plan um do you guys think we're headed towards another revolution um, I hope not. I know a lot of people are out rattling sabers about this and polishing their guns and uh, talking a good game. I hope we're not heading toward violent revolution, which tends to be how revolutions happen. Uh, is that kind of what you feel like's happening out there? Um, well, um, I'm just, I've been going to the sporting goods stores and just kind of looking around, and there's ammunition shortages everywhere, and uh, a lot of people attribute that to uh, just fear that the Democrats are going to raise taxes on ammunition and make Mm -hmm. make it harder to buy, things like that. But I can't help but wonder, are people stockpiling for something? And it's just just something to think about, I guess. Isn't that a really interesting unintended consequence of of the anticipation of further regulation that causes the marketplace to react? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a right. I think it's a pretty uh, based, fact-based anticipation. Yeah, it's justified. I mean, odds are good they're going to do something to restrict firearms ownership, whether it's mandatory ammo. Uh, what is it they're talking about doing? Numbering. About, yeah, putting numbers or barcodes or something. Yeah, serial codes on all ammunition. So whether it's that or a new so-called assault weapons ban, certainly the gun-owning community in America, uh, uh, we were talking about how active the homeschoolers are. One of the other most active groups, as far as here in New Hampshire at least, is the gun owners. They'll come out if their gun freedom is being threatened in New Hampshire. They will come out also in mass. I think one of the other biggest turnouts that we've seen in the last two and a half years here in New Hampshire was the gun owners turning out in mass to oppose some gun legislation. So certainly they are really on the spot when it comes to uh, being active for their freedom. Does that mean that we're coming to a uh, some sort of violent revolution? I have no idea. I don't want to be caught up in it. I certainly mm. hope it doesn't come to that. I think we can achieve liberty through peaceful means, but I can understand why people are scared, and I can understand why they're behaving in, in those and, ways. And I believe that there does need to be a line in the sand. I don't know. I don't think we're there, but, uh, you know... It, it's getting close. It, I... I <laughs> the government can't continue to grow. It can't continue to get more intrusive without people finally standing up and saying, I'm not, I've had it. And some of those people are going to stand up with guns in their hands. Unfortunately, yep. for every action comes an equal and opposite reaction. That's a general rule. And, and society does push back at some point when they feel like they're being infringed on. And now, with the economy collapsing, people are starting to see things for what they really are because they're not being pacified by granite countertops and big screen TVs 
uh, you know, all of a sudden, I see a lot of people coming back to Earth now. But how effective will the government's force be at keeping these gun owners from rebelling and from saying no? For instance, if the government people ban a certain uh, type of firearm and they start going door to door to confiscate guns, which, by the way, they did after Hurricane Katrina and they did after a tornado in Kentucky and they they had been Missouri, Missouri, wherever. I think there was something in Kentucky, but anyway, very well have been. they had been known to confiscate people's firearms within just the last few years. But those are isolated incidents. What, they are isolated, but they weren't isolated in that region, whatever the region was that they were confiscating yeah, it's isolated the firearms. until it's your gun. They were going right. door to door, Wayne. It's not like they were just picking the occasional house where they suspected firearms might be. They were going door to door looking for everybody's guns, and many of them turned over their guns. So some of them, there was video footage after Katrina of this lawyer who obviously knew his stuff standing out in front of his house saying over my dead body you come and get my guns and you know he was not going to hand over his guns voluntarily now because the news cameras were there those uh those national guard guardsmen did not make a move on this guy but what if the news cameras weren't there what if they did make a move against this guy he shot back and then they just, you know, they eviscerate him because there's 16 uh, troops in the street and one man with the with his guns in his home. He's going to be made to look like the uh, the bad anti. He's just a nut. He, he was a, he was a drug runner. He was, you know, they'll 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 paint him as something crazy criminal. Yeah. He's disobedient. Child porn. Sex right. Whatever offender. they want to hit him. Yeah. Right. He disobeyed. We had to shoot him. When that news comes out, when the first, uh, you know, when that first shot rings across the bow. What will that do to the rest of the gun owners out there? How many of them will be so frightened of, of what may happen to them if they get into that same situation that they will just roll over and hand over their guns? And I wouldn't blame them for it. I wouldn't blame them because they don't want to lose their families. They don't want to lose all of the things that they have. And I know, Wayne, you're saying that they don't have the, 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 the countertops and all that, but we still are pretty damn wealthy here. I mean, they're not spending maybe what they used to spend, but life is still really good. So are they going to put all that at risk just to keep their guns it's it's the question that remains to be answered well how high does the unemployment rate have to get before people wake up too you know yeah the the government unemployment rate <laughs> not very accurate as to how things are it's not it's not reporting people that have stopped looking for work after 6 months uh, it's not you know reporting people who are working at jobs well below what they were working at previously for instance um you know i i at one time took a job driving a taxi after i had lost my good paying advertising executive job because somebody had to pay the mortgage and I was the only one living in the house at the time, so I guess it was me. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I applaud people for doing that. However, it's not exactly the same level of employment you were at before, and the government doesn't report that in unemployment. You know, some economists are saying that the unemployment rate could reach twenty percent by the end of this year, including are, including the discouraged workers. Some people are. Some people are. Uh, you're including the discouraged workers, but not the underemployed. Some people are using the number fourteen percent to include underemployed and discouraged workers. Currently now. Yeah. Yeah. So, any thoughts on all this, Officer Liberty? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, one quick question um, from Mark. Yes, sir. Uh, so, when your son gets older and it comes time for him to pick military or bureaucrat, what 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 are you going to tell him? Oh, I'm I, I, all if if he asks me. I mean, obviously, I'm going to raise my son to uh, believe in liberty and freedom as much as I possibly can. But I also don't think that you can, uh, you know, force them if he if 
if he says, um, you know, I'm going to ask him what he wants to do and what he thinks about it. And after I've heard what he has to say, um, you know, my I would hope that what he says is I'm not going to do it. Dad, can you give me a ticket to Pago Pago? All right. <laughs> Let's do that, or whatever. You know, I mean, if if he wants to, if he wants to hang out here and not go, I I just don't believe in working for the government, especially when they're trying to force you to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I would hope that I hope that it doesn't pass, but if it does, I don't think it'll last long because they'll come to see like anybody who's in the military will tell you, and I don't mean these top brass guys because they're they're at a desk job that doesn't count right the guys who are actually on the ground every day anybody will tell you if you put somebody in the military who doesn't want to be there they're going to be more of a liability than anything else if you're you're clearing rooms in baghdad or if you're standing at a gate at a base and the other guy who's got your back is just sitting there because he has to be there he he's just a liability. Well, and it, it lasted work. a long time last time they brought it about, so I don't know. Well, I appreciate you know, your optimism. Thanks that, for the call, dude. That movie 300 that came out recently, did you get to see I that, I didn't Ian? see it. Yeah, no. it, was, it was very good. It was obviously, a, you know, we don't look at it as a, a historical guide mm-hmm. as to what King Leonidas of the Spartans uh, and, and what his stand at uh, Thermopylae was like. But it was very cool, and I, I, what I took away with it is these were 300 free men fighting against thousands, tens of thousands of slaves and conscripted slaves. Mm-hmm. And they managed to hold the line there at Thermopylae, Thermopylae through geographic reason, re, re, reasons. Um, they, 300 men could do this. It was a little, uh, you know... Uh, walk through through some mountains or whatever and these free men were able to hold off the slaves because they cared they were fighting for their families they were, they were fighting what they for what they believed in these other guys were just they were fighting because there was a guy with a bullwhip behind them let's continue with sean in minnesota sean you are on free talk live hey good evening guys hey sean um you got about 20 seconds so go i think as far as this draft business goes or this this uh, uh servitude they're going to have a real tough time on the military side unless they go back to pre-1990 standards because as of right now, you have to have a certain amount of academic no, not anymore. They've really lowered their standards over the last several years to get into the military. They're accepting the, the armies oh, wow. and dummies, and uh, yeah, they've really lowered their standards, at least, yeah, for the Army. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.